Good morning and happy Friday. Welcome to the Patriot Radio News Hour. This is your substitute teacher, Glenn Biddle. Joe likes to call me the professor. I'm just a high school and middle school social studies teacher, but you know, maybe someday when I retire, I can be one of those professors at a community college that teaches one night a week. That would be pretty cool. Well, you made it to the end of another crazy week. Stock market volatility, international intrigue in the Middle East, a world gone totally mad, completely turned upside down. When we do the fake news Friday today, you're going to be hard. To, it's going to be hard to figure out which story is the fake one because they're all crazy. Okay. Well, I'm able to be here today because the Maryland Teachers Union is having its yearly convention in Ocean City, Maryland. And you know me from the summer. You know I love the beach, but you could not get me within a hundred miles of that gathering today. I'm not in the teachers union, and I don't think any public service or sector employee should be in a union. Now I'm sure there's going to be a lot of red for red T-shirts down there, but not me, not into it. Now, what I like to do, you know, I, I as I see it, uh, I, I, and how I, my take on this is when I have a discussion with a pro-union person, I ask them this very simple question: Why are there unions? And their canned response usually is, "Well, the the bosses oppress the workers, and then you know we need protection from the boss." And I'm like, "Well, okay, well, then that's that's a good response." And I throw my history teacher hat on, and I say, "Well, you know what? It all goes back to the Industrial Revolution when there was a need to protect workers from the robber baron bosses." Now, today, if you belong to a union and you are in the public sector, well, who is that robber baron? Who is who are you being protected from in a union in the public service sector? Who who is that robber baron? Well, it must be the government. And if you're a liberal who loves big government, I don't know how you justify that because big government is great. It can do no wrong. And if that's your employer, why do you need a union to protect yourself against it? Well, that's just, it just explodes their head. They don't know what to do. And it's funny how a little bit of history can be so inconvenient, isn't it? All right, so today we have Fake News Friday in our second segment. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I know Jeremy, who's sitting in for Ramon today, he's going to he's going to play with us. I have no idea who else is playing with us. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be great. I know that like when Ramon heard I was going to be on today, he said, I'm taking the day off. I'm running away from you. Joe took the day off. He's running away. But, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a day off for me, so I wanted to be here with this audience because I, I could do a million other things, but I'd rather be here doing this. It's a lot of work. I have eight pages of notes here. We have three audio clips we're going to play for you. we got the Fake News Friday segment. It's going to be great. And I know Joe teased today's show today. We're going to discuss the evolving situation in Saudi Arabia today and the murder of the reporter uh, Khashoggi. Uh, it, it is a very, very complicated situation. There are so many angles to this. Uh, if you've ever, ever watched the show Game of Thrones or ever read the books, there's just so many families involved in that book, it's so hard to wrap your head around it. Same thing with the Middle East. There's so many countries with so many monarchs and leaders, and they have extended families because they have multiple wives and multiple kids, and everybody's vying for control of the throne when someone dies. And in this case, the MBS, um, the leader, Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, you know, he, he jumped ahead a couple people. We've got a great uh, little clip about the history of him. Um, so it's, it's going to be actually pretty pretty good uh, show today. I'm excited for it. Uh, we, we definitely have some background on MBS. We're going to tie it into the movie Syriana. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's awesome. Uh, George Clooney, I disagree with his politics, but he's a very good actor, and he does a great job in that movie. And uh, you know, like I said, it's very, very complicated when you start talking about uh, the Middle East. You've got the Sunnis, the Shia, 
you've got the Wahhabis, you've got the Muslim Brotherhood, you've got, you know, this crown prince, that crown prince. It, it, it's unbelievable. Okay. So um, I want to go back real quick. I'm going to give you all the information you need to get in touch with us. 800-951-0592, allamericangold.com. That's the website. Tons of information on there. You can go to the shopping cart. You can pick out the special today. I'll talk about that later. You know, you can go shopping on there. You can read some news. You know, it, it's just some great stuff. We want you to be your own central banker. This is economics and history with attitude. I always add that in with history with attitude in there because it's fun when I'm on here. Okay, it's news to disturb the comfortable and to comfort the disturbed. If the shoe fits, you wear it however you want to wear that shoe. Um, I'm I'm pretty much on the other end, the comfort that disturbs some days and, and a lot of times and not so much the comfortable. Uh, when I do these fake news stories, when I'm trying to pick these stories out, it's almost it's so hard to do it. It takes me almost an hour and a half to put together six stories sometimes to find just the right story and then to tweak one of them to make it fake. Because quite frankly, folks, all the stories are, are nuts. The world is literally upside down. So I don't know what we're going to do. So let's take a look at the markets real quick. Everything's in the green except for the Nikkei. It's down 126, but everything else is up. The Nasdaq's up 17. Dow Jones is up 131. Uh, the Shanghai's up 64, and the Hong Kong is up 106. So really, nothing worldwide is just happening there. Uh, if we take a look at oil, oil steady at 69 dollars a barrel. So obviously, the, the Saudi Arabia thing's not kicking in there yet. And gold is 1229.50. That's pretty much stable, and silver still a huge bargain at $14.64. I'm a big silver person. Um, I like to stack it, and at $14.64, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, Taking a look at our special today, we have $20 liberties at $1,325 each, or you can get 10 or more for $1,300. And give Joe a call, 800-951-0592. He's got nothing else to do today. I'm sure he's sitting in his office either building like paperclip chains or he's building little uh, playing card houses and they're falling down on him. You know, he, just give him something to do. Give him a call. Tell him what you want. When you when you call into order, all he's going to want to know, like, I want this special. Well, how many would you like? I'd like three. Okay, great. Where are we going to ship it to? And you give him your address. You take care of however you're going to pay for it. I wouldn't send cash in the mail, but any other form is pretty good. And you're going to get a trade number. You're going to lock in your price. If the price goes down, well... That's a knock on you, but if the price goes up, it's a knock on us. It stays the same. We'll be back next segment with Fake News Friday, the best segment of the week. See you on the flip side. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things... Doesn't belong. Can you tell which thing is not like the others? Before I finish my song. From News Headquarters, this is Fake News Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What is real? How do you define real? Fake news Friday. Fake, 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 fake. All right. Fake news Friday. My favorite part of the week. Uh, you know, uh, Jeremy, 
let me go over the rules with you. I know you did it once before, but here's here are the rules. So three stories ripped from the headline. Two of them are real, and one is fake. Your mission is to figure out which one is the fake one. Okay. Do we have Jason with us? We do, sir. Yes. Yep, I'm awesome. on air. I'm ready. Hey, hey, Jason, guess who's not going to win today? I have no idea. <laughs> Joe uh, is not going to win today. because <laughs> ah, He said he's going to play along at home. Okay, but here, here's the thing. If you win today, it's going to be an asterisk by you because he's going to say that he won at home no matter what, but there'll be no evidence of that, so we won't be able to tell. Okay, so doesn't matter. So we know he won't win today, so it's, it's going to hurt his streak. You know, and I know like kids have these Instagram, Snapchat streaks that they do, and this is going to break his streak. You know, ask your kids about it, folks at home. Uh, they'll know. All right, Joe, ask your kids about it. They'll tell you. All right, so... All right, so story, are we ready? Are you guys both ready? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, and I know Thanks. one other person or uh, something else that's not going to win. It's going to be the Cardinals, that's for sure. <laughs> that's great. All right, so story one. Story one, here we go. College students say they can't send in their absentee ballots because they don't know where to buy stamps. Democrats are counting on Generation Z, many of whom recently gained the right to vote, to help turn Congress blue in the midterm elections. But 50 cents may be all it takes to keep those post-millennials from exercising their civic duty. On Tuesday, a Fairfax County, Virginia official said they are noticing a disturbing trend. Young people failing to mail in their absentee ballots because they don't know how to get a stamp. Lisa Connors of the Fairfax County Office of Public Affairs ran a focus group this summer comprised of college students interning in various county departments. One thing that came up, which I had heard from my own kids, but I thought they were just nerdy, was that the students will go through the process of applying for a mail-in absentee ballot. They will fill out the ballot, and then they don't know where to get stamps, Connors told WTOP. That seems to be like a bump or a bump that they can't get across. Connors went on to say that many of the focus groups said they knew lots of people who did not send in their ballots because it was too much of a hassle or they didn't know where to get a stamp. Across the board, they were all nodding and had a very spirited conversation about, oh, yeah, I know so many people who didn't send theirs in because they didn't have a stamp, Connor said. That's story one, college kids can't find stamps to mail or absentee ballots. Number two, story two, Wells Fargo bucks corporate gun control, issues $40 million in credit to Ruger Firearms. Bloomberg reports that the $40 million is on top of $431 million Wells Fargo has issued to gun manufacturers since December 14, 2012 Sandy Hook attack. This means Wells Fargo is not only bucking the corporate gun control trend in 2018, but has withstood the firearm divestiture campaign that launched following Sandy Hook. On April 15, 2018, Breitbart News reported that Wells Fargo stemmed the tide of the push for new financial restrictions on gun makers and sellers by stressing that it is not a bank's job to set U.S. gun policy. Reuters quoted Wells Fargo Chief Financial Officer John Shrewsbury saying, the best way to make progress on these issues is through the political and legislative process. In the meantime, Wells Fargo is engaging our customers that legally manufacture firearms and other stakeholders on what we can do together to promote better gun safety in our communities. Wells Fargo refusal to place new restrictions on gun manufacturers came shortly after Citigroup and Bank of America caved to the gun control push. On March 23, 2018, Breitbart News reported that Citibank issued new requirements whereby customers who own gun stores must stop selling long guns to anyone under the age of 21 and quit selling high-capacity magazines as well. And Bank of America made it clear they will no longer loan money to manufacturers that make, quote, military-style firearms. Dun, dun, dun. So that's story two. Wells Fargo is actually 
investing in gun manufacturers. And then story three, passengers stranded as a Cypriot airline goes bust. Cypriot low-cost carrier Cobalt Air announced it was canceling all flights from Thursday after just two years in operation, leaving passengers stranded and scrambling to get their money back. The airline warned customers that its offices would no longer be staffed and urged them to seek refunds through their travel agent or credit card company. As a result, future flights or services provided by Cobalt will be canceled and no longer operate. It added without elaborating on the reasons. For refunds, please contact your credit card provider or travel agent, the statement said. We sincerely apologize once again and would like to thank our very loyal customers for their support over the last two years of Cobalt's operations. Cobalt, the largest Cypriot, that's Cyprus, airline, since the collapse of the state-owned flag carrier, ceased operations after reports that it had failed to reach a deal with a potential European investor. It's not yet clear how many passengers have been affected by the sudden shutdown. Reportedly, the company only has 15 million euros in its account, which it needed to pay its 200 staff. There was speculation that the budget airline was facing cash flow problems after two of its aircraft were grounded for two days. Although Cobalt refused to comment on the rumors, sources within the company reportedly attributed to the liquidity problems and difficulties faced by Chinese investors in exporting capital due to Chinese government restrictions. The airline's largest shareholder, Tesla Motor Cars USA, with a 49% of the shares, and due to the arrangement between Elon Musk and the SEC and the punitive damages assessed, Tesla is no longer able to fund the airline. So there we go. We got story three, Cypriot Airline goes bust because Tesla can't fund it. Story two, Wells Fargo's giving money to gun manufacturers. And then story one, college students can't send their absentee ballots in because they can't find stamps. All right. Jeremy, you're going to go second because I want you to hear what Jason has to say. All right. So, Jason, what do you think is the fake story? <laughs> uh, yeah, this this is a tough one. This is probably one of those ones where Joe probably probably figures it out by how it's worded. I, I, I think I've heard the first two stories. I, I've heard about the college students that couldn't uh, get their votes sent in because they couldn't find stamps. I think that's true. The Wells Fargo one, I think I heard some about that, too. And I've heard many stories very close to that, so that doesn't surprise me. I think that's true also. The third story also sounds true to me, but I'm guessing there's something something in there that's not right. I'm guessing there's something something that's fake news about uh, the Tesla part or or something about the, how the airlines were uh, forced to, to go out of business. So I'm, I'm thinking that one's true, too, but I'm thinking there's something wrong. So that's going to be my fake news choice, number three. Okay. All right. Jeremy, you just heard heard an expert now. What do you think? Do you want to go with his, or do you want to <laughs> go out on your own and risk it all? Man, he makes some excellent points, I've got to say. But an airline that messes up and has problems, I think I believe that for sure. Wells Fargo, I think that seems true to me, too. But the millennials and the stamps, uh, it's sadly, it's probably true. But I'm going to say that is, I'm going to go with that being the false story. Okay. All right, so all right, so here's the result. So I'll just tell you right now, there's going to be a cliffhanger. Story two is actually a true story. Wells Fargo, with all the screwed up mess of Wells Fargo, has the most complaints of anybody. It's actually doing the right thing here. That's a true story. Okay, so you're both good on that one. All right, now for the for the win here for for the for round one win. Okay, story one: college students can't send in their absentee ballots because they don't know where to buy stamps. That's actually a true story. Isn't that sad? Oh my that goodness! So sad. Yeah, that's so sad. So, Jason, you're on the board, brother. That's awesome. You're right. The uh, the thing there about Tesla motor cars, 
That was the fake part because everything else was true. And what's what I think is ironic here is that it says call your travel agent or your credit card company to get your refund. That's like when you go to the bank on Friday and and FDIC shut it down. They're like, yeah, go to FDIC.gov to get your money. Yeah, fat chance that's happening. <laughs> what do you why, think? Why do I get Why do I get the feeling that if Joe was on today, I would be winning right now? And for some reason, he just he dodged out of this one just in the nick of time. <laughs> I think that he would have bit on the Wells Fargo just because he hates Wells Fargo so much. You know, I think so. so. I think and, I and you notice right there now. was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're win- you're winning. You're you're a winner right now. So look, there was no inflection in any of my voice there. So we're good. Okay, all right. Round, you ready for round two, guys? Here we go. Story one. This was this was right in my backyard. Baltimore puts 230 desk officers on streets as murders mount. A day after 11 people were shot in Baltimore, the troubled police department said it's shutting down its administrative functions so that more officers can hit the streets. The Baltimore Sun reports interim commissioner Gary Tuggle announced Wednesday that 230 officers assigned to administrative duties will go on patrol, putting a total of 650 officers on the streets in a department struggling to fill over 500 vacancies. Tuggle says that they keep, they'll keep desk officers on patrol duty until they're no longer needed or the department can no longer function with administrative duties going undone. Uh, both, both Mayor Catherine Pugh and Tuggle blame the violence on the illegal drug trade. Baltimore has recorded 250 homicides so far this year, 44 of them within the last 30 days. So that's story one. Baltimore, you know, clearing out the offices, putting them out on the, out on the streets. Story two. Officials find more than 250 snakes, alligators, and skunks in a Montgomery County home. This is in Pennsylvania. More than 250 snakes, alligators, and skunks were found in a home in Montgomery County on Thursday morning. Officials say over 100 snakes, three alligators, dozens of guinea pigs, turtles, even two skunks were found in the home on the 1,000 block of Station Road. Officials from the Lehigh County Humane Society and the Lehigh County SPCA were on site to assist with the animals that were found. Officer Tracy Graham of the Montgomery County SPA called it one of the worst cases of animal hoarding she's ever seen. The animals were being kept in various stages of neglect, she said, whether it be sanitary conditions or lack of food and water. Graham says the animals were kept stacked in bins. I'm sure you guys saw many of the bins that were coming out. Many of them were kept in Tupperware bins, stacked one on top of the other, some four or five feet high. The smell is atrocious. So crazy cat lady strikes again in Pennsylvania. Story three, this is a good one. Kleenex to rebrand man-sized tissues after gender complaints. Kleenex will rebrand its man-sized tissues after consumers complained the name was sexist, touching off a social media conversation about what's in a name. The company behind Kleenex, Kimberly Clark, said Thursday that the product, which is sold only in the United Kingdom, will now be called Kleenex Extra Large. Packages for the tissues describe them as confidently strong and comfortably soft. Kimberly Clark told Britain's Daily Telegraph that it no way suggests that being both soft and strong was an exclusively masculine trait, nor do we believe that the man-sized branding suggests or endorses gender inequality. The tissues, which had been on the shelves for 60 years, were launched at a time when large cotton handkerchiefs were still very popular, and the brand offered a unique disposable alternative, the company said. It remains one of their most popular products, with over 3.4 million people buying the tissues every year. In a related advertising dust-up, Mr. Clean, a brand name and mascot fully owned by Procter & Gamble, used as an all-purpose cleaner and melamine foam cleaner, has been hit with the same gender complaints recently. Advertising executives were told by Procter & Gamble to make the iconic Mr. Clean less masculine to appeal to today's beta males who now buy cleaning products for use in the home. So, is it Kleenex to rebrand man-sized tissues for gender complaints, the crazy cat lady, or... 
Baltimore puts 230 desk officers out on the street. So what's the fake story? Uh, Jeremy, we'll go with you first on this round. Which one do you think is the fake story? At first, I thought maybe the Baltimore number, something might have been off there. The Kleenex thing, sadly, I believe 110%. But 250 skunks and alligators, that just, again, it doesn't seem possible. I know I've seen hoarders and some crazy things, but that's what I'm going to go with as the fake story. Number two. All right, crazy cat lady. Okay, Uh, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying crazy cat lady. I'm sure that's sexist. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Well, I kind of wish I went first. I I agree. The first story was Baltimore having all their troubles, uh, any kind of of rescue to their social situation with uh, the decay of that town. I I could see them wanting to put everyone on the street to try to restore order. The third story is a politically correct thing. There's so many companies bow to that stuff, so I absolutely believe that. The only thing about that second story that's totally unbelievable to me is I've dealt with skunks before, and to hoard a skunk has got to be one of the worst things you could possibly hoard. So I, there's got to be something about that one that's wrong. So I agree. I think it's number two. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So story one, Baltimore sends the officers back out on the street. That's a true story, and uh, it, it's a sad state of affairs. I think National Geographic just did a, a thing on the Baltimore City saying how it's the heroin capital of the country, and it's totally true. Um, story three. Uh, the the Kleenex re- to rebrain man-sized tissues after gender complaints, that's actually the fake story. Uh, the whole thing oh. about Mr. Clean, I made all that up. Okay, so I, I got both of you. Now, look, Jeremy, you can do double or nothing, but I've got I've got a, a one just for you. If you can get this one, you can have two points or you get nothing. You're at nothing now, so do you want to go for it? I do, but we have to go to break. What do we do here? All right, we'll do it on the flip side. All right, we're halftime on a Friday. We'll do the we'll do the double or nothing after the lunch break. We'll be back in a second. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios... Ed Martin. Competition is a necessary condition of the American free enterprise system, but there is no real competition in social media or Silicon Valley. Instead, a privileged few are abusing their monopoly power to silence an essential segment of political dialogue, conservative speech. The Sherman Act, landmark Republican legislation passed way back in 1890, provides the Trump administration all the tools it needs to stop this censorship. Facebook, Google, which owns YouTube, and other California companies are violating the Sherman Act by restraining trade in the services they offer, as well as by attempting to monopolize the main channels of communication on the Internet. While the Justice Department is preoccupied with searching for a non-existent Russian conspiracy, another Trump cabinet member, Dr. Ben Carson, has issued a challenge to one of the social media giants. Recently, Carson's Department of Housing and Urban Development accused Facebook of discriminating against its users in a housing discrimination complaint. Facebook makes its enormous profits by extracting demographic information about its users and then delivering that information to advertisers for a price. HUD is accusing Facebook of using its power to discriminate. 
The Fair Housing Act prohibits housing discrimination, including those who might limit or deny housing options with a click of a mouse, said HUD's Assistant Secretary for Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity, Anna Maria Farias. Facebook violates federal law by allowing its advertisers to unlawfully control which users receive housing-related ads based upon their recipient's race, color, religion, sex, familial status, national origin, disability, and even zip code. The leftist strategy to censor is bound to fail, and it gives Republicans a campaign issue for next month. Defending the right of free speech against censorship is an issue that resonates strongly with young voters on whom Democrats traditionally rely for a margin of victory. The political irony is rich. Democrats are making President Trump the new champion of free speech, and deservedly so. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Political correctness is no longer simply about restricting speech. This tool for tyranny has led to employees being fired, pastors silenced, small businesses closed, and truth suppressed. Thankfully, the politically correct can't censor the work at phyllisschlafly.com. Join us, won't you, at phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour. We have a cliffhanger of a fake news Friday here. So in, in the first round and second round, Jason, you have won. Okay, so you are a winner today, Jason. No doubt about that. <laughs> Jeremy, you're going for the two-point conversion here. You're either going to be a hero or a zero, buddy. It's, it's just it's, The pressure is on. So are you ready? It's Ooh, just you. I am. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. All right. Okay, here we go. All right, put your thinking cap on. All right. Climate change could cause the price of beer to double and decrease consumption by 16%. Climate change may cause the global price of beer to double and consumption to plummet. A new study involving the University of East Anglia concludes. The study, billed as the first of its kind, published in international science journal Nature.com, warns that beer prices on average could double due to climate change, and even under the best-case climate scenario, prices will jump by 15%. The study says the changes in price and consumption will be caused by decreases in global beer supply due to inadequate production of barley, a main ingredient in beer brought on by extreme drought and heat. One upside noted in the study was that due to the Trump tariff, soybean sales are down because of less exports overseas, and this could provide an alternative to barley and lower beer prices in the U.S., the study reported. So is that a true story or is that a fake story? What do you think, Jeremy? And I know the soy thing is correct. I know that that was going down, oh, but this one hurts. The beer's going to go away or possibly slow down. Sadly, I'm going to have to say that's true. Sadly, I'm going to have to say that's a fake story. I'm sorry. The the the, the, uh, the first part was totally true, but the whole thing about the soybeans, I don't think I'd want soy beer, but that's the fake part. But, uh, hey, you know, you gave it a great shot. That's good. Jason, you're still the winner, buddy. But you know what? You're all winners in my book because you played and you gave it a good shot. And I'm gonna. This is gonna be like the soccer kids today. Everybody gets a trophy. I know that's gonna like make the audience really mad. But you know, I feel like uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at I'm at Hogwarts. I'm going to award Hufflepuff a point. I'm going to award Gryffindor a point. So you know, there you go. We're on it. Congratulations, gentlemen. Guess who did not win today, though? 
Joe. Double J. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Joe didn't win. But he's going to come back Monday and claim he was all over this. I guarantee you. But that's that's fine. He can do that. He's the boss. If he wants to say he's a winner, he's a winner. We already know he's a winner anyway, but, uh, you know, it's all good. It's all good. If he was here, he could have played, but, you know, he wasn't here. He voted not to be here, so that's him. All right, so we're going we're gonna to switch over now to to the Saudi Arabia story. Um, we're going to find out, like, who is MBS? That's the nicknames of the crown, the, the initials of the crown prince. So, uh, Jeremy, can you go ahead and play that clip for us, the history of MBS? That's the six-minute one. Go ahead, please. Here we go. The sudden elevation of Mohammed bin Salman al Saud to the position of crown prince, an heir apparent to his father, King Salman of Saudi Arabia, is a welcome surprise for many Saudis. It is also a matter of deep concern for some of the kingdom's neighbors, most notably Iran, which is locked in a region-wide power struggle with its Arab arch-rival. MBS is the world's youngest defense minister, and the first in line to the Saudi throne, and after a recent purge of his rivals, some argue that he is already the de facto leader of Saudi Arabia. He is the son of a princess from the Alijman tribe, who have been integral to Saudi history, and the current Saudi King Salman, who appears to be in ill health and some say is suffering from the early stages of dementia, which could be why he is rapidly transferring power to his son. Born in Saudi Arabia's commercial hub, the city of Jeddah, in 1985, he's the eldest of his mother's sons. However, he has several other older half-brothers, the two eldest of whom passed away from heart failure. Another was the first Arab astronaut in 1985. In contrast to many prominent Saudi princes, MBS attended university domestically. He holds a bachelor's degree in law from King Saud University. Upon graduating, he has worked in the private sector for a short time, and in 2008, he would marry Princess Sarah, whom he has had three children with. On December 15, 2009, Mohammed bin Salman entered politics as a special advisor to his father, when the latter was the governor of Riyadh province. Over the next two years in Riyadh, MBS quickly rose through several positions while being his father's advisor. After the death of his uncle, Crown Prince Sultan bin Abdulaziz in October 2011, his father was promoted to the position of Second Deputy Prime Minister and Defense Minister. MBS would continue to work for him as a special advisor. Eight months later, Nayef bin Abdulaziz Al Saud died, making Salman Crown Prince and First Deputy Prime Minister. MBS was shortly made after Chief of the Crown Prince's Court and appointed State Minister in 2014. On January 23, 2015, King Abdullah died. Salman took the throne, and Prince Mohammed bin Salman was appointed Minister of Defense, the youngest in the world. Salman also removed his younger brother from the position of being the next crown prince, and installed his nephew, Mohammed bin Nayef, as the next in line to the throne, breaking the tradition of fraternal succession that dated back to the founding of Saudi Arabia. Upon becoming Minister of Defense, MBS very quickly organized a coalition of 11 nations, including U.S. support, to intervene in the civil conflict in Yemen, which has been escalating ever since 2011. The Shia Houthis, which are widely considered to be supported by Iran, whom Saudi Arabia does not want to gain influence or control over any part of its border, is a major motivation for the Saudi involvement. Initially characterized as a quick war, 
to remove the rebel Houthis from power in Yemen, the conflict has evolved into a long drawn out war of attrition, with no decisive territorial gains achieved on either side. And after the Saudi blockades of Yemen, starving civilians have paid the highest price in this war. In April 2015, Prince Mohammed bin Salman was given control over Saudi Aramco by royal decree, following his appointment as Deputy Crown Prince. Aramco has been valued at between $2 trillion and $10 trillion, making it the most valuable company in the world. In April 2016, as chair of the newly established Council for Economic and Development Affairs, MBS announced his Vision 2030 plan to significantly change the Saudi economy over the next 15 years, moving away from complete dependence on oil revenues to a more privatized and open economy. Increase employment and improve services. MBS has successfully lobbied for regulations restricting powers of the religious police and establishing an entertainment authority that plans to host a wide range of events not seen in the kingdom, including comedy shows, pro wrestling events, and monster truck rallies. And in 2017, he has been a major figure behind the lifting of the ban on female drivers and females attending sporting events. On June 21, 2017, Following his father's decision to depose Mohammed bin Naif, Mohammed bin Salman was appointed Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, making him heir apparent to the throne. On November 4th, 2017, Prince Salman ordered a massive crackdown. Forty princes and government ministers were arrested on corruption and money laundering charges. Over the next few days, the total had risen to as many as 500 arrests, according to the New York Times, including... Saudi prince and multi-billionaire Alawid bin Talal, a major shareholder in City News Corp, Lyft, and Twitter. In an extremely short amount of time, Mohammed bin Salman's meteoric rise has seen him consolidate power over Saudi Arabia's economy, military, and intelligence services, while eliminating his most powerful rivals. No one stands in his way. As reported by the Daily Mail, King Salman may soon step down making MBS one of the most powerful men in the world. At just 32 years old, he may be a leading world figure for decades to come and has an opportunity to bring Saudi Arabia to a more moderate and modern society and economy. Right, and welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour. Jeremy's bringing us back into Bittersweet Symphony. That's a great song. So I hope you enjoyed that clip on the history of MBS. I mean, he's an interesting guy. He definitely has tried to do some good things for Saudi Arabia, but he's also done some bad things by you know bringing all those people in. He brought them in on on quote corruption charges, and that's where you know. But he pretty much extorted money out of them. A lot of people say he needed money to facilitate these programs that he's doing and the best way is to shake down all of his uncles and print and cousins and so forth okay now can we judge the kingdom of saudi arabia by our human rights standards that's a great question i mean uh, after all they certainly do not practice jeffersonian democracy they are not a republic they are a monarchy and they are the protector of the two holiest cities of islam mecca and medina uh they probably would not recognize our bill of rights at all because Obviously, why would they? 
look at the First Amendment, freedom of speech, uh, no. Freedom of the press, obviously no. Uh, freedom of assembly, nope. Uh, freedom of petition, absolutely not. So I, I think, you know, we're dealing with, well, we know who we're dealing with here. Okay, now I think we can judge them since our blood and treasure is on the line protecting the kingdom. I spent some time deployed over there after 9-11. I have seen how that country operates. I have driven by the square where on Fridays they meet out their punishment. And if you are a really bad actor, you get your head chopped off. If you're a thief, you get your right hand chopped off. They're pretty brutal. Um, you, women can get stoned to death. It's just a, it's a rough place. Now, obviously, that's their business. That's their country. Um, but we are a major supporter of that country. Uh, you, you heard in the video or the audio before about how uh, the the uh, war in Yemen, uh, we are supplying the ammunition, the bombs, the uh, aerial refueling, the intel. I mean, we are helping them do that, and they have had some pretty bad atrocities. They've blown up a couple buses with civilians and kids in them. That, that does not play well in the news, obviously. Um, so. I, I kind of want to also give you a little background on Mr. Khashoggi. Um, now, and even the country itself, Saudi Arabia is 85% Sunni and about 15% Shiite. On the other hand, Iran is pretty much probably the same number as far as Shiite goes. And so our Saudi Arabia and Iran did not get along. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, when we took down uh, Iraq, which was a Sunni minority country, it was a Shiite majority. We took down that country. Now Shiites are in charge, and then Iran's influence now has definitely uh, gotten itself in there. So we kind of handed Iraq over to the influence of, of Iran in, in, indirectly, which is kind of crazy. Now, Khashoggi was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood and the Wahhabis, which are part of the religious order in Saudi Arabia, they do not get along. In fact, the Muslim Brotherhood tried to assassinate the king of Saudi Arabia in the past, and the uh, Egyptians actually stopped that, and then the Egyptians, through the Muslim Spring, the, the Muslim Brotherhood took over Egypt, and that obviously Saudi Arabia didn't like that. Now, before he was a journalist, he was a trusted insider of the royal family. He knew inside information. So as of late, he was a critic of MBS secularizing Islam. Obviously, in the audio clip we heard about you know, bringing entertainment to the kingdom, bringing, uh, letting women vote, letting women drive, letting women attend sporting events. Obviously, the Muslim Brotherhood doesn't like that at all. And quite interestingly enough, uh, President Erdogan of Turkey is also a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. Perhaps he gets some egg off of his face with holding our pastor and then releasing him and putting a little bit of egg on the face of MBS by uh, exposing this this uh, this terrible brutal murder, and we don't know exactly what had happened yet. There are several investigations. The Saudis are doing an investigation. The Turks are doing an investigation. We are doing an investigation. Um, just I read this morning where Turkey thinks they have recovered DNA evidence inside the Saudi consulate, and they think that possibly parts of Khashoggi's body were buried outside of a city in Turkey. They're DNA testing that. Uh, it, it, it's kind of it, this is a rough situation. We are in a bad situation because obviously there is a major arms deal in place between us and the Saudis, $110 billion to be exact. Um, so obviously we have to walk a fine line on this, plus the flow of oil. Uh, we, the Saudis would like to see oil up around $80 a barrel. Right now it's only $69 a barrel. I'm surprised that, that this has not increased oil prices. 
Now, the House of Saud, uh, apparently in the past, has made a deal with the Wahhabis, and that's the religious sect in Saudi Arabia, and they are, they're very fundamentalist, okay? Uh, and, and the deal basically was the, the royal family said, look, Wahhabis, we'll leave you alone if you leave us alone. So kind of there, the separation of church and state, in a way, and the Muslim Brotherhood, not like that. They think church and state should be together. So you can see the angle of the president of Turkey here and the Muslim Brotherhood, how they would not like the reforms of MBS. Now, maybe MBS is a victim here. We don't know yet. Obviously, it's too early to tell. But let's say MBS had nothing to do with this. That's a problem for him, because if he did not do this, who did it? Is it somebody in his administration, his family, that did this to make him look bad, to try to erode his power? Or was this a power play done by the Turks to make him look bad? If that's the case, he needs to solidify his base. Maybe all those people he rounded up before, that didn't solve the problem. Does he have to crack down even more? But let's say he did do this. Well, that's, that's even worse, because now he's killed a member of the media, and they're not going to let this go. The media is circling the wagons on this. Now, Khashoggi hasn't been a... a reporter that long you know he he and even maybe Khashoggi actually knows where the bodies are buried and knows the dirt on the royal family and maybe the MBS wanted to get rid of him we just don't know that yet the investigation depending on whose investigation you want to believe you know this is going to be kind of interesting the Saudi version the Turk version or the U.S. version everybody's got a reason to put their own findings out there Uh, President Trump said that he believes that maybe rogue actors killed this guy Uh, you know it's hard to say exactly what's going on. We don't know yet. The, the, the phrase, we don't know what we don't know. I hate saying that, but that's actually true right now. We just don't know what's going on. And the more and more and more it looks, no matter what, we pretty much configure that, that Khashoggi is probably not going to see in the light of day anymore. All right. On the next segment, we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper. Uh, interesting stuff. We'll see you on the flip side. Welcome back to the Patriot Radio News Hour, 800-951-0592. Just to hit those specials real quick, we've got the $20 Liberties at $1,325 each, or 10 or more for $1,300 each, 800-951-0592. Give Joe a call, wake him up, give him something to do, spend some money with him, he'll be happy. But getting back to our Khashoggi and the Saudi prince and the, you know, the heir apparent to the throne. It's very interesting. There's a great movie called Syriana, and it, it doesn't really mention Saudi Arabia per se, but it, it could be any generic Middle East country, but it loosely fits the Saudi Arabia uh, deal. After watching the movie and being in Saudi Arabia, I, it, I was like, wow, I'm back in Saudi Arabia. This is amazing. Um, so let me give you a quick plot summary of it. Uh, there is a moderate prince next in line to take the throne, and he has brokered a deal to sell the kingdom's oil to the Chinese. Well, this has angered U.S. oil interests, And with the help of the CIA, they plan to take out the moderate heir to the throne and replace him with a younger prince who can be controlled by the CIA and oil interests. 
Um, Jeremy, can you go ahead and play that clip about the oil industry, please? ...aren't bright enough to be anything but finger puppets. And my brother has faith only in his own cunning. What do you suppose they're up to, my brother and these American lawyers? Tell me, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? What are they thinking? They're thinking that it's running out. It's running out. And 90% of what's left is in the Middle East. Look at the progression. Versailles, Suez... 1973, Gulf War I, Gulf War II. This is a fight to the death. So what are they thinking? Great. They're thinking, keep playing. Keep buying yourself new toys. Keep spending $50,000 a night on your hotel room. But don't invest in your infrastructure. Don't build a real economy. So that when you finally wake up, they will have sucked you dry. And you will have squandered the greatest natural resource in history. Come with me, please. I studied at Oxford. I have a PhD from Georgetown. I want to create a parliament. I want to give women the right to vote. I want an independent judiciary. I want to start a petroleum exchange in the Middle East. Cut the speculators out of the business. Why are the major oil exchanges in London and New York anyway? I'll put all of our energy up for competitive bidding. I'll run pipe through Iran to Europe like you proposed. I'll ship to China. Anything that achieves efficiency and maximizes profit. Profit which I will then use to rebuild my country. Great. That's exactly what you should do. Exactly. Except... Your president rings my father and says, I've got unemployment in Texas, Kansas, Washington State. One phone call later, we're stealing out of our social programs in order to buy overpriced airplanes. We owed the Americans, but we've repaid that debt. I accepted a Chinese bid, the highest bid. And suddenly I'm a terrorist. I'm a godless communist. Dean Whiting, who represents not only these aggrieved royals and my brother, but also Connex Oil. They've been pressuring my father to invalidate the Chinese contract, but they underestimate him. This is about his legacy to his people. And that's a clip from Syriana. That's an excellent clip. So we're almost near the end of the show today, but I want that. To, I just want to kind of hit that. That is kind of what MBS, MBS is trying to be a modernizer, but he's got all this stuff hanging over his head with the death of Khashoggi. It's going to be pretty tough for him to come out of this. We have a $110 billion arms deal. Now, can you imagine the K Street lobbyists going after our senators and congressmen trying to make this thing happen because they're, they're they all want blood and uh who knows what's going to happen have a happy friday a happy weekend ladies and gentlemen call joe get that special 800-951-0592 see you monday thanks for letting me run the ship